All right, we are back. I'm Janine. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Get the Funk Out. Up next, Dotsie Bausch. She's an Olympic silver medalist, former world record holder, and founder of Empower Coaching Systems. She's here to talk to us. Good morning, Dotsie. Hello. How are you? Wonderful. You are amazing. I heard about your film, Personal Gold. Congratulations. Thank you. Tell me about that film. Well, it's uh, it's not my film. It's it's a documentary, and I'm just in it. Okay. So the um, the director and producer, um, Sky and Tamara Christofferson, and it was their it's their first uh, full uh, feature length uh, film, and it just debuted. Uh, the world premiere was at the Seattle International Film Festival, which is going on right now, and we were there on Saturday for that uh, premiere. Great. And it's basically kind of a walk through our uh, journey leading into the uh, London 2012 Olympic Games. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple of months before uh, the Games uh, is when the whole um, kind of Lance Armstrong uh, drug situation uh, completely exploded. And Mm -hmm. all of the uh, male road cyclists that were supposed to be going to the Olympic Games um, took their suspensions um, and you know, the kind of the whole um, U.S. anti-doping report came down, and so they were not able to go to Olympic Games. So it, it highlights um, the intensity and the stress uh, that that kind of brought on to the women and the pressure of what we felt uh, going into London to really bring home a medal. And we were uh, extraordinarily underfunded compared to our competitors, which would be uh, Great Britain, Australia, that have about $40 million um, wow. pure per quad. And uh, we had uh, significantly less than that to uh, prepare for Olympics. So it, 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 takes, um, it takes the viewer on, on a journey through what we call data, not doping, uh, which is um, how we used wearable technology and, and sports technology um, to find out and understand uh, new things about uh, our internal structure, about our body, um, and use that to increase or enhance our performance the legal way. Mm-hmm. So, Let me back up yeah. a second. So that t- tell me about sure. that technology a little bit. Okay, well, there, we, there's about uh, five different types of uh, devices that we use that you see in the film. And it was really inspired by, um, I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners have heard of Dr. Eric Topol because he's mm-hmm. kind of uh, the instigator or the founder of this whole uh, wearable tech data explosion that's happened over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So one of the devices that we used um, is a sleep tracking device okay. that you wear on your head and you sleep um, with it on. And then you get up in the morning and you're able to, to download on your smartphone um, the amount of hours or minutes that you spent in deep sleep, the amount that you uh, spent in REM, the amount that you spent in light sleep, and the amount that you were awake or wow. moving around or, or getting up. So you can really start to look at, um, for an athlete, your recovery mm-hmm. and, and how you're repairing overnight. Maybe a lot of times you think, oh, hey, I got seven hours or eight hours or nine hours of sleep. But you, you, you wake up and you look at this download, you realize, wow, no, I got maybe two hours less than I thought I got. I mean, I thought I fell asleep, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's in light sleep or tossing and turning. So that was one device. Another critical device was um, 
a O2 saturation monitor um, made by uh, Mossimo Corporation that's been in the medical field for 25 years. And that's that um, little finger clip that you might have experienced when you've, if you've gone to a hospital. Yes. Uh, it's non-invasive uh, O2 saturation monitoring. And um, I use that uh, every day uh, to be able to track my uh, progression uh, or not mm-hmm. of my recovery. Uh, so I would take it every morning along with my resting heart rate and um, be able to make decisions, and my coach and I make decisions on uh, changing or keeping the same training program that we had laid out for us um, that day, mm-hmm. depending on how my recovery was looking, how my O2 saturation was, was looking. Um, another device was a glucose monitoring device, okay. uh, and that, that, that helped us uh, just really dial in our nutrition um, specifically. We also used um, uh, a, a genome test. By, uh, pathway genomics, and that um, that was just great information would be for anyone uh, dietary, but it really is from A to Z. That okay. of course, if you find out, you know your genetic types and what you have tendencies towards, and you, you know it goes all the way into uh, you know blood and muscle makeup, and you know, it's quite detailed. So then we were able to make um, you know specific changes to uh, training and diet and recovery based on that. This is absolutely amazing. I mean, when I, I'm listening to this, I'm thinking this is the antithesis of Lance Armstrong's, you know, routine. Of, of tra- you know, because you're looking at everything, sleeping and what goes in and out of it your is. body and your oxygen and everything. And it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, as an athlete, you, you're always looking for that edge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my, my team and, and, and uh, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the female uh, cyclists, I'll, I'll say, uh, are looking for... Uh, the legal, you know, clean advantage. We're, we, you know, we're, we're not wanting to put that trash in our bodies that you're going to get, you know, uh, you know, a year or two of performance enhancement and then, you know, possibly get cancer from it later in life. You know, where I think, um, as, you know, especially as women, female athletes, we're looking more long-term because a lot of us want to have children. So we want our bodies to, our bodies are our temple and they need to be um, a clean, safe environment. Right. When did you start focusing on this as, you know, your lifelong passion? Cycling itself? Yes. I, uh, I started cycling extremely late to have, you know, done it professionally and, and made it to the Olympic Games. I didn't start till 26. Literally, I did not start riding a bike until 26. I was wow. uh, in, in a process of healing from a um, life-threatening eating disorder, actually. And towards the end of my... Um, therapy and, and, and healing process when I was much, much, much better, my therapist suggested that I um, try to move my, my body in a healthy way again and, mm-hmm. and, and feel um, my body healthfully move, and she wanted me to pick something that I really didn't have any uh, negative connections to because one of my issues with anorexia was extreme over-exercise. Yes. So wanted me to pick something, you know, just out of, out of out of the blue that I had not done before in cycling. It was what I chose, and it was just one of those cosmic things that was a, it seemed to it was the right choice. Glad I didn't pick, Amazing. you know, something else because I, I I think that that was what I was meant to pick, and um, have it just a passion for it. And I just started doing it, and, and uh, basically never stopped. And then, as a result, did you feel like you were able to heal inside and out from your eating disorder? Yes, but when I, I started cycling, I was well uh, along my journey of healing, which okay. took, uh, a, you know, a lot, of, a lot of therapy, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of pain and suffering. I, you know, we didn't, I didn't start riding the bike at the beginning, and then that was, um, 
you know, how I healed. I'm not saying, you know, just pick a sport and you'll get better. Right. It, it was really t- way towards the end of, of my healing. So I, when I started cycling, I was, I was so much better. I mean, I was really almost 100% that, um, you know, I was able to kind of grab onto it and, 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 and do it a lot and, and then start racing and, and uh, not have that be, you know, a source of uh, feeding into the eating disorder because I was, I was well by that point. That's amazing. I mean, you must look at yourself and think, I'm a totally new person. I am. I, I, it's a lot of people, you know, ask if I can remember that person because I do a lot of mentorship for um, eating disorder patients um, really all over the world. And that's a common question from them because when you're in it, mm-hmm. it's it, like anything, any addiction, right? It's so difficult yes. to imagine yourself not living with that illness and that addiction. Right. Um, but truly, truly, there is freedom on the other side. And it's not an easy road. No. It's, it, you know, but yes, it, it's, it's almost, it feels like a lifetime ago. I, I, you know, every year that passes, I think you, uh, with anything, you, you kind of get further and further away from the memory of, of exactly what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It really is amazing once you pick something and you're doing it because you want to do it and it's not like, oh, I got to go running. And, and you find this passion, it completely opens up your mind and heals you. Yes, yes. I think that's true, true, so true, and why so many, uh, you know, you hear, you hear so many athletic trainers, physical trainers, suggest to people to find a way to move their body that they love doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you hate spinning classes, don't go to spinning. You know, if you hate aerobics or, you know, if, you, if you'd hate running, don't do that. There's so many, there's such a variety out there. There's so many ways of forms of exercise and healthy ways to move your body. So, you know, keep searching until you find it. Um, and then if you, if you love it, it's, it's not a chore right. anymore. Right. And as women, I've known uh, women that have done something, let's say aerobics, and they just beat their bodies into the ground because they're just so focused on being fit. And I know from my own personal experience, I ended up with a microdiscectomy. I herniated a disc because I was running. Oh. I was running and I was obsessed with being fit and I had sciatica and I thought, oh, it seems to be better after I run. And then it just got worse and worse and worse until I couldn't walk and then I herniated a disc and it all came down to low self-esteem. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's, there's, so, there's right? so many, there's a variety of connections of what kind of feed that in us. Right. You know, feed that, that, that over, over-exercise, overeating, over this, whatever it is, or, you know, not, do, you know, doing it all complete restriction, like within, um, you know, realm of an eating disorder like anorexia, and it's, it's different for each person uh, yes. as far as what fuels that. But I think... Anytime you, you know, you go through a struggle like what you did with your injury, what I did with the eating disorder, right. really learn in coming back from that how important self-care is. Mm-hmm. And your body is the only one you have, right. the only one you've got. Right. So if you, if you don't stay aware and you don't take care of it, you know, it eventually is going to break down, right. you know. And, and so you, but you, you, you learn that in the hard times. Yes. You don't learn that in the easy times. Right. <laughs> That's when we keep pushing it. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, you are responsible, as you said, for your body. It, it's your temple. You have to take care of it. And a lot of times things happen. They're lessons. I think they're lessons. Like, hello, dummy. <laughs> what are you no, doing to me? You know? So They're always lessons. How did you become a sports analyst and a motivational speaker? Is it all, you know, basically all because of all this? Well, actually, it, 
I started, like I said, I started cycling so late. So I had already gone to um, college. I went to Villanova University back in Philadelphia, and that's when I majored in journalism mm-hmm. and uh, broadcasting. So <laughs> after my cycling career, I retired after London 2012. Uh, I was able to kind of return to those roots, and you know now I. You know, after 15 years as a professional cyclist and Olympian, you you know yeah. I, I've got some some weight in the cycling world. So yes. uh, it, that was kind of a neat uh, and somewhat easy progression into um, doing color commentating for cycling. So uh, and and the and the speaking thing is is unfolding mm-hmm. as we speak. It still scares the hell out of me, <laughs> uh, but it, it, I, I love doing it. And and um, even though it's scary, because it, you know I think you, I, I feel like you have to do something scary right. either every day or at least once a week to keep you keep you alive. So yes. that's that's just a big challenge for yeah. me right now is becoming a better speaker. It's so funny, I, and I think as women sometimes we have this feeling of, oh, you know, I I'm not you know, like I feel like a phony or how did I get here? Or, you know, do I really have something of value to add? Of course you do. You know, you are nail on the head with that. No kidding. I fight that all the time. (laughs) You know, you guys go in this speaking and you know, there's how many ever two, 300 people there, you know, waiting. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, all of a sudden you just, you know, five minutes before you go on stage, Right, like who yeah. cares? My life's not that interesting. There's a million or trillion other incredible stories. I, this is stupid. No one wants to hear it. And yeah. you just, yeah, you that's you self berate, and it's just, uh, it, you have to turn that around. You got to turn that around because they are there because they want to hear you. So right. obviously, there's something, and you're gonna, you know, either whether you touch one person or all three hundred. Yes, I, I think you've done your job. Absolutely. Uh, now, tell me what it was like, you know, being featured in this film, because that had to be really powerful. It's a little strange, because I'm not in that world, so I've never been in a film before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably won't ever be in, in one again. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, first time, the, the cool thing about it is, it, throughout our, our process leading into London, we lived in Mallorca, Spain for three months, and that's where most of this um, the film takes place, is like the three months leading into Olympics. And our, my teammates, all of our husbands, because we're all married, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of rare, you know, because usually much younger in uh, sport, but all of us are a little bit older and all married. And all of our husbands dropped everything they were doing and moved to Spain with us for those three months leading in. Wow. So it's really, it's kind of a love story, too, about um, supporting your you know, significant other, yes. or, or, you know, and, and, and kind of a switch because you usually see the other way where the wife is supporting the professional male athlete. Right. So as a result, my husband's in the film with me. He's in it quite a lot. And so it, it's fun to do it together, mm-hmm. you know, go to these premieres together and kind of almost relive our experience every time and um, empower and, you know, give give hope to it. It's called Personal Gold. We get silver in London, but it's, it's, a, it's about people, you know, trying to inspire everyone to find their personal gold, whatever that may be. I love it. Now, if people want to see the movie, I know it was screened in Newport Beach. Uh, how, how can they see it? Yes, I know. Well, right now it's on the film festival circuit. So it's right. in Seattle right now. So, um, But if you go to personal-gold.com, then you can you can see the screenings. There's a there's you know a whole page on there that talks about uh, the screenings. They're also on Facebook and they're on Twitter. So you can kind of keep up to speed. At the end of this year, hopefully it'll it'll sell to a distributor or a Netflix or something like that, and then it will be it'll be easy to to, to buy and see to That's get a great. DVD or you know download. I kind of feel like 
you're, maybe you're already doing this, but I kind of feel like you maybe should be talking to teenagers because I know that was the root of my insecurities and all that. And it's that's the foundation of of, a, of so many things, the different paths of you become confident or you go off in the direction of eating disorder. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it, start, it starts at those, those preteen years. Are so, yeah. You're so impressionable, especially as a young female. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, oh, man, I, 12, 13, 14, 15, I would not want to go back there. No. But you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really where you can probably have the, the maybe Biggest the largest impact. impact. Yes, because yeah. there's so much going on right now between... Um, young kids discovering who they are, you know, in so many different ways. Maybe they're coming out. Um, they, they're just so much going on. And then social media, you know, there's there's a huge amount of, um, you know, insecurity. And it's all yeah. been shown on, online. Pressure. Yes, yes. Yeah. How yeah. much pressure they're under that we weren't under right. when we were that age because it's just everything's out there for everyone to see. And you always feel like you're being judged. Right. So that just exacerbates um, that pressure and the in- and the insecurities. I mean, if, if they're there even a little bit, it'll, you know, I feel like social media just can blow up the insecurity. It, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I agree. Do you have any advice before we wrap up for people that might be in a funk this Monday morning? Uh, just something that might have helped you? Uh, oh, man. I think that even in the, the worst of days or the worst of moments or worst of months, because, you know, sometimes you can even have a bad year, right? With right. The old, uh, um, so find, trying to find some kind of uh, snippet of joy in your day, mm-hmm. whether that is, you know, buying a meal um, or, you know, just a snack for a homeless person that you see on the side of the road, sharing You've got joy inside of you, and if you're having a bad day, that's just kind of it's just kind of being suppressed at that mm-hmm. moment. But it's in there. Let it out by giving to someone else, and it is extraordinary how that will change. Well, your whole day, your whole outlook on your entire week. Just do one thing and see what happens. Yes, that's great advice. Thank you. If people want more information about you, where should they go? Well, I gave you the, the film website, um, but I, uh, I mean, I have one, too, which is DotsyVouchUSA.com. Okay. But uh, I think that uh, the, what they'll love the most is to, to, to figure out where they can see the film. This is, it's only 88 minutes, so it's not, it's not too long. It's a, it's, a, it's a good amount of time to sit there and get to a theater and have some popcorn, and hopefully it'll do a theatrical release towards the end of the year. But, um, yeah, Personal-Gold.com. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us yeah. this morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, take care. Cheers. Bye. That was Dotsie Bouch, Olympic silver medalist, former world record holder, and founder of Empower Coaching Systems. Her complete bio is up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And uh, if you want to find out about being a guest on the show, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at kuci.org. 